everybody. Welcome back. This is Wrestling with the Future. I'm your host, Psychic Medium Angelo. Joined, as always, by the guru who knew, the Encyclopedia Britannica Pro Wrestling, Jeff the Ref Robinson. Hey, Jeff. Jeff, you know, you're reminding me a lot of Curly from the Suja, brother. I love Curly. Either Curly or, or Uncle Festus from um, the Adams Family. One of the- <laughs> <laughs> Either or. I, I, I was... I walked into my um, local store the, the, uh, yesterday, and um, the girls up there who normally see me on a daily basis, they yeah. see me with the head shaved, and they go, what the heck did you do, man? And I'm like, it had to come off. I'm sorry. You know, like, it, it just, I, yeah. you know, but uh, anyway. Well, Jeff, <laughs> we have a very special guest tonight. I want to, and we're limited in time with our guest tonight, so I want to get this information out because there's a lot to get out here. Wrestling manager, icon, Nikita Bresnikov has managed some of the biggest names in pro wrestling and has traveled the world twice with the likes of people such as Nikolai Volkov, Killer Kowalski, Bruno Sammartino, Chief J, Strongbow, Ivan Koloff, and countless other luminaries. He is an actor, producer, director, the assistant director, and casting agent. He has starred in such films as... Insight, which he just completed, The Wrestler, Heroes of Wrestling, Highlander, Dark Places, Vlad Dracul 2, Brush with Danger, Tears of the Fallen, Zero Point, You Don't Know Me, Caught, and Grandmasters of Wrestling. He's the author of the best-selling book, When It Was Real, co-authored by his friend, Scott Teal. It's the unflinching, unaltered, unadulterated story of the life of a high-stakes pro wrestler in a world where it was all too real way back when. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, my friend Nikki, Nikita Bresnikov. Thank you so much, Angelo. Oh, beautiful opening. And, Ref, nice to see you, Baldy. Nice to see you, too. <laughs> that, my friend, is how you put somebody over. Yes, sir. That he. Uh, I, I, I can say this. I did not know, and I, I'll be honest, I knew, did not know who Nikita Bresnikov was until I got introduced to a game called, uh, from Phil Singer Games and Legends of Wrestling, and it's a mm-hmm. wrestling card game that's out there, um, tabletop, one or two players can play it, and you, my friend, can be the booker, and Nikita Bresnikov here is a manager, he is a card in there, and uh, thanks to him, a few of my heels have been able to win every now and then. So, uh, <laughs> now you know, Nikki, it's funny that Jeff just mentioned something right off the top of the show here. Uh, you're, you're probably best known as a manager, yes, absolutely. but very few people realize that Nikita Bresnikov was also a wrestler, yes. And a lot of people don't know that. How did you get started? Where? When? Give me all the uh, the pertinent background info. I know quite a bit about your career, Nikki. As I've followed you, I'm a fan, plus I'm a lot older than Jeff. Thank you, sir. Now, with me, I love the old days before Hogan, so I always collected tapes. So I see there was a 7-Eleven. They were advertising a show. They had the cardboard sign in the window. Nikolai Volkov was coming to a local show. I was still working for the police department at the time. So it was day shift. So it's like, hey, I can make that. It's an afternoon show. I'm going to go see maybe Nikolai if I could meet him. And maybe he could tell me how to get some tapes. Because at that time, my collection was small. 
So I go to the show, and you know how the boys set up the table and do the gimmicks before. So I go over, introduce myself. So I said, Nikolai, I, I collect tapes. Do you happen to have it? He's, oh, no, I would love them. You make from it, I pay you. I said, you ain't going to pay me nothing. I owe you for all the years. I'll be happy to do it. So I made him a, a bunch of tape. And anybody from WWE, if you're listening in, I didn't charge him a dime. And I would never charge him a dime. So from that, we become friends. So, of course, I pester him. Nikolai, I want to get into business. You know, he's like, no, you have a good job. We all get hurt. So I was persistent. So then one day we were working yeah. together. We were at this old timers thing. It was a Czechoslovakian was called the Czech festival, Czechoslovak festival. It was just for insurance. Him and I are walking around dancing with the old ladies, having a good time. So we come up with the idea. He said, you will be my manager. I said, oh boy, I don't want to be manager, but it's a way in. I'll do it. So then we come up with the idea. Nikita Brezhnikov. You know, he wrestled as Nikita Brezhnikov at one time years and years ago. And that was his handle. Yeah. Not like Nikita Malkovich, if you guys remember him from the 70s. I sure do. So I love that name. Brezhnikov, we developed. And then from there, it took off. Now, yeah, you know, 80, 85% was managing. After a while, you know, following him around on the circuits, I said, Nikolai, I'm bigger than a lot of these guys. He's like, yeah, yeah, we've become a tag team. That would be good. So it's like, yeah, so, you know, then I got in that way. Hey, you know, Angelo. Yeah. I got hit by Bruno. He was refing at a show. It was July 18, 1998 in New Jersey in the stadium. Nikolai's wrestling Dominic. Bruno's refing. And this is where I learned to work over the years. Yeah. Bruno, you know, I get up on the apron. He's like, no, no, not yet. Go back down. Go back down. So then, you know, when he calls me up for the finish, then he gives me a shot. Open hand, of course. And it was like, my God, you know, he was no young guy at the time. I'm thinking, if this guy nailed yeah. his prime, you would you would see the light of day no more. You'd be finished. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You say he was like a gorilla. He was so strong. Yeah. That show, by the way, Nikki, was July 18th at the Meadowland Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Yes. Yes. That was beautiful. And that was in 1998? 90. Yeah, Jeff, 98. That was when I was getting started roughing. There we go. Yeah. So. The, uh, the stadium, it's funny because the Bruno opened the stadium. Wow. Okay. Bruno opened the stadium. Uh, he, he had, I'll just give you a little history behind that. He had a booking at the Garden for Vince uh, McMahon, okay, you know, okay. Jr. Okay. And... He put the booking at the garden off twice because they had not yet completed the stadium. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's wow. true. Because he gave his word to the stadium management that he would open the stadium. And he said, I won't take any bookings before I do the stadium. Wow. So he opened the Meadowland Stadium. Then he took his two garden bookings. So I got Nikita. When did you get actually started like managing uh, and re and wrestling? What year was it? Ninety five. Okay. May ninety four. I would say was the exact date. It was the first time I ever witnessed an indie show with Nikola. I wasn't involved. I actually went with him, but my debut was November eighteenth, 
1995 for Dennis Coluso, the great Dennis. Dennis was a dear friend of mine. I, I, I knew Dennis very, very well. He was also my insurance man. There you go. Uh, Angelo, did you catch that, that Nikita was talking about tape trading, something that me and Rob were talking about last week when we yeah. had Rob on the show? Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and, you know, Angelo was asking me and Rob about that and how it all kind of, you know, the underground of, of how those all were traded around and... Yeah. You know, how various ones were getting, you know, you would find out just by calling somebody or finding, you know, the newsletters. Thank God, actually, dirt sheets are dirt sheets, yes, but the dirt sheets also gave us a lot of that kind of information. So, sure. Yeah, Nikki, we had, uh, uh, we had just on the show recently Rob Feinstein from RF Video. Okay. And, you know, and, and I, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a little older than those guys. I think you and I are probably around the same age, I guess. Yes. I'm 61. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so, um, but I, I kind of went past that tape trading thing, you know, because I was involved in the business. I was running shows. I was promoting. Um, I knew that the tape trading went on. But but I didn't know to the extent of it until I got smartened up by the ref and and Rob. Okay. Uh, but but apparently it was a big deal, Nikki, huh? Oh, absolutely. I first got introduced to it in 1983 from a guy in Philadelphia. It was an advertisement in the back of like uh, the uh, magazine, the wrestler that you know built after his publication, one of those. So it was like, wow, I got to see what this guy's got, and he had some gems. And then it just grew from there. I'm going to tell you a secret. I think we have a bigger collection than Vince McMahon does, believe it or not. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I would actually, I would probably agree with Nikita on that one. Um, I, I know that there, I probably have some things existing that he wishes that he had. Yes. Well, and, now I met the guy in Boston, Rocky Raymond. I got a lot of his eight millimeter stuff. Now, nobody has that. Vince doesn't have that, I know. I mean, Oh, wow. Vince. And well, there's some um, there. And Nikki, don't, don't let Jim Cornette know. Well, oh, I, really? Oh, Jim Cornette wants that. Yeah, well, actually, I'll tell you guys something. Um, speaking of tapes and all that, there was the, the Buddy Rogers and Ric Flair footage that is now out there that exists that they, is like one of the only known matches out there. Yeah, was shot at the Norfolk Scope, and it was shot by the guy who played, who is the acting commissioner for VCW down here in Virginia, George Fantas, and okay. he shot a bunch on eight. He shot a bunch on eight millimeter back in the late seventies, early eighties, back in Hampton and Norfolk, and he sold that footage to the WWE. So, um, wow. I, you know, it is pretty good gem to have. Now, Nikita. As I'm looking at you, strangely enough, I'm seeing a lot more Italian than Russian. I have Italian by blood. I'm well. It, it's it's Polish, very I'm, yeah. I'm Polish, Croatian, uh, Italian, and a little bit of Jewish. Oh my God, bless you, my son. <laughs> a lot of fun. That's all I can say. Wow. <laughs> Talk about variety. So we we uh, we we talk about a time that you started 
when for by and large, for the most part, kayfabe was still being practiced. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's a it seems to be like a dead art now. But Jeff and I had a conversation, I guess, about a week ago, Jeff. Yeah, right around. Uh, and we were talking about the slow but progressive return to kayfabe in some form. Good. Do you think that it's dead in the water or do you think it's coming back in some way? Not yet. Because when I, I don't go to a lot of shows, but this past weekend, a neighbor of mine, he loves to see the local indie shows and he wants to go with me. So I went. It was, it was a good entertainment very good show. Everybody worked their asses off. They did a great job. But you got the heels selling their gimmicks, you know, at the intermission and before. It's like, no, that's not supposed to be. I know you want to make a couple of bucks, but if you're going to do the kayfabe, you're going to be the heel. Don't talk to nobody. You're not supposed to say hi, sign the autograph. You guys know how it works. But it's like, I don't see that yet. Nikki, is it true that back in the day, that the heels were forbidden from selling their gimmicks? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, hey, look, you know, back in the 90s, now Dennis even was strict on that. Dennis wouldn't let them get out and do that stuff. He was, see, to me, I think they missed the boat with Dennis Corluzzo. You know, he had an open invitation to Raw. Yeah. Uh, close with Cornette, too. Very close with Jim. So, with Dennis, Oh yeah. if the other promoters would have worked with him. They wouldn't have put Vince out of business, but they would have done good. Everybody could have made a decent living at it. But you know how it was. True. They were cutting throats. They would say the show. Yeah. Or the posters, all that nonsense. So it was like, yeah, I, I had a lot of respect for Dennis. I stay in touch with his son, Mark. And I, I mean, to me, yeah, he gave me a break. He let me. But you know what? As soon as he saw me and. My gimmick wasn't quite refined yet. I just had a trench coat. And Nikolai said, yeah, yeah. Put me a hat, put some well, uh, that's kind of actually where I'm going to go with you, Nikki. Um, at the time that you developed the Brezhnikov character, you, uh, you know, when you defined it to the point where you were happy with it, you had the full Russian ensemble, the trench coat, the hat, the medals, the whole bit, right? Yes. Yeah. And but but by that time, the Cold War, of course, was well over. How did you get yourself heat? You know what, Angelo, all he had to do was come out with that Soviet flag before 9-11 in 15 minutes. Because a lot of times we go to a show and they say, oh, we have a Russian flag for you. It's like, OK, good, because I don't want somebody to grab and tear mine up. They pull out that new bullshit. I'm like, no, nah, that's no heat that thing. I've got the flag with me. You bring out the old red hammer and sickle. Oh, that's it. You go places like Virginia. <laughs> but old boys were like, you was going to bring what? And man, it was hell. Let me tell you. 10 or 15 minutes in the match, that was more patriotism than any bullshit politician could do. Let me tell you. No, it's the truth. I, I mean, um, I, I, I I was good friends with Ivan Koloff. He was a dear friend of mine. And um, I used to watch him. I mean, even into the 2000s, he could still work as a heel and get over as a credible heel. And what he would do, Angelo, you're asking how you can get heat even in the 90s after the Cold War. 
Ivan would be like, the Soviet way of life, the communism way of life was the way to go. You don't understand. We had it better then. The government was better. They told us they helped the people out more. And he would he would <laughs> cut that promo in the ring, and then three minutes, he'd have the people about ready to kill him like it was the 1970s again. So, yeah. I mean... Yeah, but you know what? With Ivan, he was such a fucking lovable guy, though. <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I will say this. He, he was, and, and towards... God bless him. Towards the end, I mean, after after he became a born again Christian and a minister, even and all that he did, you know, it was hard for him to even have to be a heel, and it was hard for him to, not not because it was going against his principles or anything, right? But because he he became that lovable grandpa, uncle, yeah. dad, whatever to yes. everybody. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, and when you're when. You know, he would go, I mean, I know all over here in the South, he would go to the Walmart because he was big with the Children's Miracle Network and raising money for them. Yeah. And he, uh, so it's kind of hard for him to be a heel when you go, I just saw him at my local Walmart and he, he was such a nice guy and he took a picture with my grandbaby. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but prior to that, let me tell you, he still could get the heat. <laughs> well, you know, well, you know speaking, of, speaking of heat, Nikki, I got a question for you. Speaking of heat, go ahead. There's a guy that I grew up loving, watching the, watching him on television every Saturday, and he he came across as just a a big lovable kind of guy. But they say that backstage he was a real sob. Okay. Uh, tell me about the real Chief J Strongbow. Ooh. Now that's touchy because the chief I know. Now, I, here's another way that I met Chief, all right? Uh, Daryl Cochran had died. So Nikolai called down, and uh, he had talked to the widow, and she said, oh, Chief was here today. So Nikolai said, oh, I don't have Chief's number. I don't talk to him for a long time, please. So she gave him the number. He calls Chief. He says, Chief, I know your biggest fan. He has all your matches. So, again, here we go with the tape. <laughs> so one day I'm at work. My wife calls. She said, you'll never guess who just called. I said, who? She said, the chief. I said, yeah, get the hell out of town already. You know, she says, I ain't kidding you. The chief called you. I said, wow. She said, I have his number. So I call him up. He's like, yeah, Nikolai said, you got my matches. I like to get them. I said, chief? Oh, absolutely. So, again, I make a connection through the tapes. We become good friends. But see, now, like Nikolai, a lot of people did not like him. Because Chief was no bullshit behind the scenes, you know. He was all business, and they say he was, you know, like me, cheap, you know. And it's like, yeah, but you know what? I learned from all the old-timers, Nikolai and uh, Dominic Danucci, people like that. Ain't nobody going to give you the money. you got to take care of it. It's not how much you make. Absolutely. Much- yeah, exactly. How much you keep is for sure. I was good with Chief. He was kind-hearted. He would crack a joke once in a while. But I know a lot of the boys, they didn't like him. They say he was this, he was that. I was like, I don't know. I didn't know him. Yeah. I I think Chief's reputation as an agent, and because he was an agent, he got a reputation with a lot of the boys of being a stooge. And and he would stooge them off back then. And because of that, that kind of didn't endear him to them. I mean, how are you going to? Well, you we, know? we we should say allegedly stooge him off. Uh, I'm well, going. Uh, yes, I, 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 you, 
with Tony Gurria, and Tony was an agent, and I was backstage at a lot of the Raws, and Tony, you know, he got the job done. He wasn't there to make friends. It's like, we got to do what we got to do. And this isn't, didn't have anything to do in the ring. Yeah. The stuff outside that had to be taken care of, you know? And it's like, you know how these kids are. You got to tell them to put their pants on, tie their shoes. Yeah. Like, well, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, Nikki, that you say that. Because Jeff and I actually last night, we had an interview with Rico Costantino. And we were we were talking about that exactly that subject of... You know, you're, you you go in the ring and you work and you do business together. But whatever happens backstage, if there's heat, you deal with it backstage. How did the guys back in the day deal with personal issues backstage? Well, it was the same thing. You don't take it outside into the before the crowd or shoot on each other because that's a quick way to get fired without a doubt. It's like, hey, look, I need you tomorrow night. If you're going to go out there. Now, Nikolai tells me a story, and I won't mention the guy's name, but somebody was shooting on him in Florida, and he was new to the territory. So he took yeah. a couple of shots. Nikolai said, look, stop. Yeah. I know the story. Nikolai used to box. So yeah. And so Nikolai said, boom, boom. He said, I broke his nose, black his eye, and I almost knocked him out. He said, I could have going to fire me. You know, they're like, no, Nikolai, we saw it. He was an asshole. And you took care of it, and that's the way it works. You be an asshole, then you get flushed. No problem. Just like a turd. Down you go. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeff. Well, no, I, I, Tell well, me right I, what's up. I, I've heard that story, too. And actually, I can say this. And I, Ivan told me this, and he didn't tell me not to ever tell it. So I'm not telling tales out of tell, you know, stories out of tale. But uh, he was working Angelo Mosca Jr. And he said Mosca Jr. would get kind of reckless in there and he would tell him calm it down kid calm it down and he would back him into the corner and he would start laying in the the forearms to let him know to calm it down some mm-hmm. and then he he said if mosca still didn't get the message he said then he would put him in the ribs a couple good times the, with the point of the boot to really get the the message across of you need to calm it the fuck down <laughs> like <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you he gave Greg Valentine his name, the hammer. When they yes, had that going in 79 with the broken leg gimmick, he said, Valentine was stiff. And he said, Greg, I ain't going to work with you if you don't knock it off. They can yep. see it, but they can't feel it. Take it easy, you know? I, yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> Johnny Valentine verified that. He said, I, he used to call me Dinky. He said, Dinky, they can see it, but they can't feel it. Lighten up. It's like, okay, Chief, okay. Now I got a question for you. Uh, your your book that you yes. wrote, you yes. wrote that prior to getting into the business, or, and from a fan perspective, right? Exactly. And that's rather an interesting take to have for a wrestling book out there these days. It really is, and and kudos to you for doing that. By the way, thank you. Um, it was an endeavor. Thank you. Yeah, and, and and I'll be honest. I need to pick. I wanted to pick me up a copy. I mean, I I knew that you had written one. And, um, you know, now that we've had you on here and things like that, I do want to go pick it up because it just it seems like it's rather interesting to hear and, and read the tales of yeah. I mean, you guys grew up, both of you grew up in a generation watching before I did. And uh, <laughs> as you said, it was more real back then. What do you think it is that you you've now been to even a modern show in 2020? What is missing? 
What made it more real? And not not just kayfabe. What made it more real to you as a fan? They touched us with one hour of television a week. That's all they had. In the middle, they would have a promo that would last maybe seven minutes tops. That's all the time they had to get through. But they spoke to us. And when we went to the arena every month, you know, not every six months, every month, they put out for us. And we connected with them. It's something you can't create. I, I post something almost daily. Not, it's got nothing to do with the book because those pictures are not in the book. It's just got to do with a love of keeping it alive. Because a lot of people have pulled me off Facebook in a private message. Thank you for doing that because it means so much to see that and remember it and get away from the politics and all the bullshit. So I, I keep that up. Yeah. Me. I keep the postings going. But right, right. Comes up, I, I brought up the angle, and this has got nothing to do with my book because it happened in 1981 with Slaughter and Patterson, that angle. Loved it. Like, it was so much heat for Slaughter at that time, it was almost dangerous for him. And yeah. when he hit Patterson with the chair, when they had the Cobra Clutch Challenge, there was a fan that he actually, Mel Phillips almost screwed up the whole deal. Because he was. Oh, wearing- please. So when uh, there, there's a cancer on the business. Dick Whirly took the chair and put it on the side. He knew they were going to use it. Well, here comes Mel Phillips to take it. Dr. Zaharian stops him. This fan is watching, and he's pissed. Now, I, I watched it the other night on the anniversary of the show. This kid is pissed. He's like, he's pointing. I don't know what he said, but he's pointing at the chair, and Zaharian's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. So then when the wizard goes to grab the chair, this guy comes out of his seat. He's almost grabbing the chair from the wizard. But yeah. Slaughter got it when he hit Patterson. And that, you can't make that. You can't make, you can make a man into a woman. Yeah. You can make a giant out of somebody that's six foot two, but you can't make people love or hate a character. It's coming from their heart. And we believed. And that was the thing, you know, uh, back in the day, and I think you put your finger on it, Nikki. Back in the day, you you went to the show. They made you go to the show. Yes. They gave you a little taste on television. Yes. You could see Bruno on TV in an interview. But if you wanted to see Bruno wrestle, you had to go to the arena. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, now we're vice versa, right? Today, the house show, unless it's a taping for closed circuit or for pay-per-view or for tv it's just a garbage show just to wet your whistle the big stuff is the pay-per-view so now where tv was a small part the live was the big money maker now it's opposite and see that's why when people want to say backland wasn't over and i guess we could get into that too i say wait a minute go back and look he, he wasn't bruno he wasn't supposed to, he couldn't be bruno but you look at the old matches like it's coming up the rematch with Greg Valentine, March 26 to 79. When Backlund put the figure four in Valentine, the roof comes off. They go absolutely ape shit. It's like they Backlund, but from a fan, I was a fan at that time. We loved Backlund. Yeah. It wasn't Bruno. We knew and Superstar. I tell people that was my favorite time. Superstar is champion. That was my favorite time of all because. I, I got Bruno. Bruno's chasing the guy that stole his belt. That was great heat. We loved that, you know. And it was like to see all of the the faces finally get a title shot. Ah, oh, that was just magical, man. 
Yeah. I, I, I think the same went for down here, well, down south where with Jim Crockett Promotions, and we had that level of believability, too. I mean, where it was, you know, yes. I, when, <laughs> I mean, I, I mentioned actually when we had Baby Doll on, with when we had her on, Jim Cornette hits her in the stomach with a racket. They come on TV and they say, we don't know if Baby Doll's ever going to have babies. Now, me as a fan, I'm ready to kill Jim Cornette in the Midnight Express. <laughs> I mean, beautiful, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, you you are an asshole at this point. You are below <laughs> the scummiest of scum. All right. And now, that's it. Now, <laughs> but to go with Angelo's question, how the hell do you draw heat today? Everybody's offended. You can't say anything without getting sued. They'll burn the building down. They'll they'll po- boycott you. It's like, well, what the hell can you do to draw heat? Well, we, we we had that conversation, Nikki. I swear to God, we had that conversation last night. We had that conversation last night. I, I, you know what? And it's amazing to hear you say the same thing that Rico said. You know, and and Jeff and I, you know, we're still fans, but maybe we're a little jaded to the business because we're in the business, right? And. But you still want to put your fan cap on. Yes. And you still want to believe there's something authentic. There's something legit out there. The one thing that's always been real for me growing up and for you growing up was that heat. Yes. You know, you hated the sheik. You hated that he bloodied Bruno's forehead. And you want to see Bruno get his comeuppance. Yes. And beat the snot out of the sheik. Yes. I, I, I wanted to see Dusty get the horseman back when it, when they broke his ankle in the Omni. I it, mean, it was... It, it, they, it, but here, here's the problem. Honestly, a lot of it does, has to go with social, the, the internet. The internet yeah. leaks everything out. Yeah. And fans will complain... It's easy to complain about something ahead of time without having seen how it plays out. It's easy to complain about something when the main event of WrestleMania is leaked three months prior. And then how, why are you wanting to tune in? If fans really truly wanted to be first in wrestling like we used to, don't. Do not read social media. Don't get on Twitter. Don't yeah. get on Facebook. Don't right. read the dirt sheets. And Jeff, there's one more thing. And I think, Nikki, you'll agree with me. It's easy to complain when you've never done it. Amen. Yes, yes. Now, guys, what else is missing? There's no blood. There's no blood. I know. You know, it's like, hey, look, when Lou Albano would wrestle Bruno, Chief, Pedro, instant sellout, the rest of the boys are going to have the night off. You're going to pack the house. And Lou would bleed. And I remember as a kid, we went down to the ring at intermission after Bruno murdered him, and the blood, it was like, this is real. Look at this. It's incredible. <laughs> we were demented and perverted or whatever, but we loved it because well, my, Lou, the bastard, got what he deserved. I, I got a question for you really quick, Nikita. Yeah. Last week, you appeared on a show, Monty and the Pharaoh, and yeah. um, I, I, they proceeded to bury my, my co-host over here, Angela, or try to. I shouldn't say they did. They tried. You That's can't right. bury 
somebody who refuses to get married. Yeah. But anyway, that being said, what did you, I, I, I don't know, what did you make of them? I mean, to me, they're a couple of blowhards that really don't know anything about wrestling that don't, that want, they're a couple of wannabes. I was brought into the business by Nikolai, the, the effervescent, always peacemaker, always just, you know, I let everybody do their thing. I'm happy to be a part of it. I try to keep that circle of wrestling going. If they're going to present it and make it wrestling, then to me, you know what? They're trying. Everybody's doing their own thing in their own way. So that's going to be the best answer I give for that. I got you. Fair enough. Thank you for that question, Jeff. I, I, no, no, I wasn't looking for you to bury them. I just, they really kind of came at me wrong. I mean, to come on, they, they, they have gone on there numerous times. And, uh, I, I mean, to me, I, I'm kind of flattered that they follow our show that much and we're brand new and they've been around for a while. So what they always say, it, you know, like with the acting, oh my God, it's been buried a hundred times by critics and things like that. And they say, you know what? They're talking about you. That's good. Let yep. them say bad stuff. That's what you want. I'm like, yeah, but they said, no, no, but they're talking about you. So I said, okay, then I guess I'll take that. You were in the movie The Wrestler. True. What did you do in that now, movie? Wait, 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 wait. I was not in it. I worked with Aronofsky on it. The very okay. first meeting, I was there with Nikolai, Johnny Valiant, Evan Ginsberg, and uh, uh, Scott Franklin, the other producer. So Aronofsky was like, mm. what is this? I don't know anything about this world. So we worked with him behind the scenes doing things. I worked with their writer, their first writer, for about a year. So I, we yeah. were going to be in it. But then it was like, I don't want to do wrestler, 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 actor. That would kill it. So Johnny Valiant yeah. you know, was in it. And some of the local boys, they had a, you know, some screen time. But that was it. It was like. Yeah. I well, well, you know, you I mentioned at the top of the show, Nikki, that, uh, that you are uh, an actor, a writer, prolific writer, a producer. You've been involved in wrestling and, and film entertainment. Uh, television, of course, uh, and you're a natural for TV. Thank you just you. got that that heelish face about you that you you know you're you're the uh, the the effervescent bad guy that everyone loves to hate. Especially when I've been married four times, I have survived three divorces, so I'm a tough son of a bitch. <laughs> and I always like to give that message: get your prostate checked, the blood test. That's what saved me. They caught it early. I still had to have the big surgery, but thank God I'm still here uh, 18 years later. So please, to all the men out there, get the prostate check, the blood test. I know everybody's worried to go bend over the table. We hate it, but that's too late. You don't want them to feel the prostate enlarged. You want them to catch it in the blood as soon as they can to see the cells. Then you get the treatment. So yeah, I've survived prostate cancer, three divorces, wrestling, 27 years, Baltimore City Police. I mean, yeah, I've been around the bend. You uh, you have a film that's uh, that's just completed. Uh, the release date, I believe, is supposed to be either later this year or early in 2021. The film is called Insight. No, it better be 2020 because this thing's been going on for a while. Now, the person behind it, Livia Chung, even though it's spelled Z-H-E-N-G, it's pronounced Chung. 
a dear friend. I met her at the University of Washington. We kind of grew in the industry together because Brush with Danger, that was the biggie. That, yeah, I'm going to talk about that. That's the biggie because that one, it was going to start out as a short. And we didn't think it would grow, but then she kept getting donations or uh, investors from Indonesia, all different places. Yeah. She, me, she said, she always calls me Nikki. She said, Nikki, we got budget for a full blown movie. So it's like, let's do it. So when she moved out to LA, she went to USC film school. So she had access to the big right. lab. It's not just what you do, it's how you edit the thing and how you put the color, the sound. She made yeah. it look beautiful. So we shot a lot on location in Seattle. The rest we did in Hollywood. And I mean, yeah. the man, <clears throat> we were in Hollywood because the street led up to the Greek theater. We were neighbors with the Hollywood Bowl, Griffith Park. So, yeah, we were right in Hollywood. We were in the running that year with the Oscar. We were top 300. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Was yeah. Brush with Danger um, was a film that I think, you know, as an actor, put you on the map for real. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because, you know, and, and I should point out to people, and this is a shoot, you have no formal acting training per se. It was wrestling. That was it. Because that's how it started. You know, we would do documentaries. And uh, one guy come up to me one day and he said, you know, those are acting credits. I'm like, what gives a shit? I don't do no stupid acting. I do wrestling. And he's like, hey, you goof, it's the same thing. And I'm like, is that your real name? I'm like, oh, okay, I guess you got me there. But so what? You know, what am I going to do? But then somebody came in Baltimore, a local person. They were doing a movie called Terror and the Pharaoh's Tomb. And it spoke to me because it was a horror movie. But yeah. they had Lugosi, Lon Chaney Jr. If they did it black and white, and they got the rights to put their clips into it. So I said, oh, man, I love that. I'm going to do it. Yeah. So that was a neat experience. And then that got me. Then The Wrestler. So that's what got the bug. And then when I moved out to Washington State and I met Livia, boom, that was it. I was going full-blown at that point. I learned a lot. I, I was part of a uh, local for Baltimore, for one season, I was a co-host for Top of the Morning. It was a local television show. So, I right, yeah, I know about that. Yeah, yeah, it's not. So the, go ahead. Yeah, the the new film Insight. Um, uh, I I haven't. Uh, you know, I know that it's just completed. Uh, and I, again, you know, hopefully this year it'll be released. Hopefully. Uh, but the only thing I couldn't find on it, Nikki, was the film synopsis. Uh, what What is it about? It's two brothers that are psychic and uh, they have like they can telepathically communicate with each other and it, their exploits as it takes off. It, it's a like a crime drama because you see some of the old timers in it. Like, yeah, uh, he's not James Woods, but uh uh, he was in the onion field. Like the guy's name escapes me now. Well, Tony Todd, he everybody knows him. The big black guy. He's in a lot of horror. Oh, movies. Candyman. That's it. Exactly. He's yeah. Candyman. Yeah. Tony Todd. Yes. Yeah, Candyman uh, and the uh, uh, Night of the Living Dead. Yes. So he's got a lead role in it. I'm not one of the leads. I'm one of the feature. I'm one of the uh, what the heck they call it. Uh, uh, Supporting cast. 
No, well, yeah, like uh, one of the main player, but not one of the leads. Because she said, I can't give you a lead in every movie. I said, yeah, that one looks stupid. So that's good. So that worked out nice. But she's got good names each time she wants to do, you know, better. And I believe in her. She really has the talent and the ability and the drive. Excellent. Well, uh, that's the latest film. Uh, anything else uh, regarding television or film you want to talk about before we go delve back into the world of the squared circle? I'm working on things that I can't talk about always, so there are things in the works, without a doubt. Okay, terrific. We'll leave it at that. I go ahead, that I love that answer because that's actually what most actors say all the time. You ask them, is there anything that you're working on that you can tell us? Well, there's something I'm working on, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I can't tell you about it. <laughs> I've got a project that, you know, that we're talking about right now, but. <laughs> and some of these people go crazy because uh, one time when we were doing some voiceover for Brush With Danger, uh, Livia brought the L.A. people down to Seattle because it was easier to get the Seattle people's work done at one of the local vocal studios. So they were allowing some people to take pictures. And this woman from L.A., she's like, oh, my God, when I go to the studios, they make you turn in your cell phone. They search my trunk when I come in, when I leave. And she said, I got a old card. I got to pry it open. They're very careful with every bit of information because apparently somebody – set down like a thumb drive or whatever that bullshit is they use today. Oh, and wow. And it snuck out. So it's like now everything is like NASA top secret lockdown. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. They sue you. The bastards sue you. I tell you, damn lawyers, they rich bastards. Well, the wrestling business should be so guarded with their secrets for crying out loud. Used you know, they to be. try, Angelo. They try, but you know who's got the biggest mouth? The boys. Can't wait yeah. to brag about every damn thing. Yeah. That's, that. the difference. That's it, Jeff. That's the difference of the old days. The old timers wouldn't talk. You couldn't pay them to talk because, nope. hey, that's bread and butter. I don't want to give that shit up. Today, I don't think the kids really, it manipulates their minds about the money. They want to put themselves over and yak, 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 you know? Yeah. Well, I, I think. Well, my thought has always been. Let the people put you over. Why wasting the time to put yourself over? Jeff, am I right or what? No, no, you're absolutely right. And then, but part of it is too. Now, some, you know, it goes to what I had said. Now they try to get noticed by going viral. It used to be, yeah. I can, if my talent gets me over and I start getting talked about and promoters start wanting to use me, you know, if if you were making headway in the indies your name is going to get out there amongst the promoters. It didn't matter what you were doing, but to their benefit, I've, I've said this too. I kind of am jealous that social media exists now when it didn't, when I was even coming up, I would have loved to have been able to sit there and send, send a promoter, a YouTube clip of me and for five minutes. You know what me and Nikki had growing up? Me and Nikki had pro wrestling illustrated. Yeah. So did I. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, Pro Wrestling Illustrated was our that was our Bible, Nikki, right? That was it. That was your information grapevine. That's what you had. Yes. Um, I, that was I was there. I mean, monthly at the newsstand, getting my the wrestler inside wrestling and PWI. So much so that my mom bought me a a, a yearly subscription. You know, with, wow. With, yeah. I, God bless Mama Guru for supporting my habit for many. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's wonderful. I, she, I, 
as 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 I've said, without her, I never would have been able to watch the pay per views because she allowed me to have me and about ten of my young friends over there. And imagine a single mom with ten to twelve young thirteen to fourteen year old teenage boys watching a wrestling pay per view and how that was. That was I, so wonder she didn't turn out to be an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, you're talking nineteen ninety, Sting beating Ric Flair for the world title. Okay. And <laughs> so you gotta was, love it. It was, it, but we were sold again on the believability. Sting's coming back, knee injury, which was legit. Yeah, but comes back, he has the revenge and get his revenge on Ric Flair for beating him down and out of the Horseman. He comes back, wins the world title. I call a lot of that true fiction. Because even though a lot of it was portrayed on tell a lot of it was really happening too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Legit. I, I I I think that it is that the guys part of it too is they, they've lost the art of selling in a lot of uh, of the indies today. Yeah. Yeah, Nikki, what happened to that? What what happened to the ability to sell? Last year I was at Cauliflower Alley Club and they put on the Luna Vashon Battle Royal and a lot of two shows, two nights in a row. So I'm there ringside, close bird's eye view, managing some people. And I'm watching and I'm like, man, you're beating each other's brains out. And Kevin Sullivan, he said it best. He inducted Andrew Anderson, uh, Outstanding Wrestler of the Year. And he said, you know what it's called? Wrestling, not spotting. Stop the spots. You're supposed to exactly. have spot in a match. What are you doing? And it's like, yeah, he's right. I mean, well, you're right, Jeff. And we know you and I. How many times have we talked about the spot monkeys? They, they, yeah. I, they, uh, Nikki, I, I want Jeff. I, I want you to tell Nikki, and I'm not making this up, Nikki. This is honestly, I, Jeff, tell Nikki about uh, a, a Jordan's match. Which one? The one where they didn't touch each other for the entire match. It was about a minute and a half of straight choreographed gymnastic. And I'm not taking away from Jordan Oliver because the kid is talented. and He's got a great future as far as his look, his ability and everything. But he had a match and it went viral. And it was a straight minute and a half of. You do a leg dive, I do a leg dive. You miss, I miss. You miss a kick, I miss a kick. You do okay. a flip, I flip out of that. You do a toss, and I basket toss you out of that. Boom, boom. No sell, no touch for a minute and a half. And you can look at it and go, you guys were practicing that routine for at least an hour in the back before you went out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that... And yet, you have some fans that go, that was great work. What they did was great stuff. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. When when you worked, you had bullet points, right, Nikki? Oh, yeah. They, they gave you bullet points and said, uh, you know, here's the finish. However you get there, get there. Gotcha. Right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. How you got there was your creative license. You called it in the ring. And listening to the fans, exactly. Yes. And what happened to that? Why? Why don't 
why don't we listen anymore? Because that it's all the same. If you're going to do backdrop, backdrop, hit the buckle, backdrop again, and you're flying elbow, it's like, and I'm watching each match, it looks the same. Why are you killing each other? Because nobody's paying attention because it's now become like a headlock, okay? It's like, but this hurts. This is like so much damage. I'm not going to say who, because I respect her too much, but I took somebody aside and I said, do me a favor. Look out there. See all those people? I said, how many of those people's names do you know? And she said, I don't know anybody out there. I said, exactly. They're not going to remember this either two hours from now, but you're going to feel this two years from now. Take it easy. What are you doing to yourself out there? You can tell they don't do this every night to make a living because they couldn't do that. There's no way you know they could do it like that. I think that they hope that they are going to, it's again, going viral. They hope to get that viral sensational video. I mean, what you tell me why a promoter's son, promoter's son, you heard me right, Nikita, a promoter's son is taking a dive from a second floor of the, of a mall. Yeah, I I did see that. And I, I asked the same question. It's like, it doesn't prove anything. It proves you're a goof. Because I don't know why in the hell you'd want to do something like that. Why? You're not a tough you let guy. Your kid do that. If, I'm sorry. I'm a 42-year-old man. If my 20-year-old son, if I had one, came to me and said, hey, Pop, I want to go climb on top of the second story of the building, and I'm going to come die. No, I want you alive, son. I'm <laughs> sorry. I don't need you to break your neck. Yeah, I don't want to push you around in the wheelchair. No, no thank you. I'm sorry. Neither Vince is not paying you or me to pay for you to be a vegetable for the rest of your life. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. Well, Nikita, my friend, I have to bring you back for a second part of this. I know we have to let you go tonight. I want to thank you for uh, spending the time with us that you did. I know you have to go. I love it. when we can do this again, I'd like to bring you back for the uh, the, the full deep dive. Okay. Can, can we do that? Absolutely. Please. Thank you so much. Everybody, Nikita Brezhnikov. Thank you, Nikita. It's been a pleasure having you. Yes. Yes. Don't forget it. It's on crowbarpress.com. The great Scott Teal. If it wasn't yeah, for Scott, I couldn't get it done. Scott Absolutely. Scott Teal's helped author quite a few books. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. So yeah, fan, we like Scott are, here. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, we like Scott. If you're a wrestling fan and you're wanting to learn your history, like the guru here, start reading some of Scott Teal's books. Absolutely. Exactly. Nikki, thank you so much, brother. Thank, thank you, you so much. My pleasure, guys. Let's be done. Take care. Good <laughs> Have a good one, Nikki. All right, that was great. That was awesome. That was great. I, yeah, Nikita Brezhnikov. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you what. I wish that Nikki had a little bit more time to spend oh, with I, us, but I'm I'm thrilled that we got that much from him. He, um, uh, but we will definitely hit Jeff have him back again for sure. No, no doubt. He seems like a very, I mean, like a lot of our guests, humble, enjoys the business, loves it. You know, I was thinking, Jeff, like I was thinking last night when when we went off the air, you know, we were talking to Rico about his humility. Yeah. And and I thought to myself, we've been really, really fortunate on this show to have some of the nicest people 
in the business. Let's let's talk about some of the guests we because you and I. It's been a while since it's just been you and I. You know, we've we've had a guest on. You, you realize this that we've had a guest on every show since our third show. That's it's insane and incredible to think about that we've been doing this since September, Angelo, and we have had a guest on literally every show since uh, our third show went. Sometimes two, three shows a week we record. We recorded. I mean, yeah, no, here lately it has been, and in my case, four when you count me and Mike's roundtable. So roundtable for sure, yeah. Um, because people can't get enough of the guru. No, you were saying our, our guests that we've had are we've had Baby Doll, we've had Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant, um, we, we've, we've had Evan Ginsberg, uh, we've just had Nikita Bresnikov, we've had Casey Carlisle, we've had Princess Victoria, we had Sherry Martell's childhood best friend, uh, Kathy uh, Fitzgerald, so many, Rob Feinstein, our, uh, Rob Feinstein, and of yeah. course Rico, who we've done a two-parter with. Um, I don't think that there's been anybody really that. Oh, and Jack Victory, of course. Uh, yeah, our very first guest, actually, Jack Victory. Yeah, Jack, Jack was right. our friend. And, and we did a two-parter with Jack, too. Yep. C.W. Anderson. C.W., yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, very and... soft-spoken guy, very humble. Yep. And... Never the guy wrestled all over the world. You would never Held know. Held championships. Yeah, I mean, you would never know that half of them have accomplished what they have done in the business. Right. And, and it's like what I had said off the air, and I, I'll say this, and I, I and maybe Rico will go back and hear it, or we can play it for him. But honest to goodness, I don't think that Rico, even Baby Doll, um, even Boogie, I don't think that they realize the lives that they touched across the world. Yeah, especially, for sure especially in this day and age with YouTube and you can go back and you may find somebody that you really were interested in and go back and start finding clips of theirs. And, you know, I could be a kid in Australia watching Enrico Constantino. Yeah, absolutely. It's amazing. It's, it's remarkable where this show has come. Yeah. Um, And, And we're not finished yet. We got a lot more to do. Oh, we will continue to put on the content, put it out there, let everybody, you know. Yeah, we've got some really super guests coming up. Uh, we've got, uh, of course, you know, everyone knows Bruiser Brody, but very few people know Mrs. Bruiser Brody, Barbara Goodish. She'll be with us talking about Bruiser and, you know, the guy she knew as Frank and dad and husband. We'll have uh, one, I know one of your favorites, because he left a permanent imprint on your chest. Wahoo McDaniel. <laughs> his wife, Karen McDaniel, will be with us. And she is, I will tell you right now, folks, Karen McDaniel is a character. That one, uh, from all indications, we may have to say children do not listen to unless your yeah, parents are around. Put a, uh, a parental advisory. <laughs> yeah. But. Yeah, for real. We, we do not hold our guests back, and we let them express themselves any way they want to, so. King of which, we will have Evan Ginsburg. Evan <laughs> <laughs> uh, will be on the show. 
He and Evan is the quintessential New Yorker. God bless him. And he's going to bring on uh, Bill Pierce, who people might remember as Chris Michaels from the tag team Simply Splendid. Yeah, he he did uh he did some um work with the WWE. He did some jobs too up there as far as you know enhancement work. So um, sure did. Uh, we've got uh, Dave Dahl coming back on. Yeah, uh, we never. Uh, we oh, we got a whole show coming up. Dedicated to female referees. We got a whole show of female referees. The growing trend. And uh, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about this, Jeff. Yeah. What do you make of this, uh, being a referee yourself, what do you make of this, this like trend in the number of women that are refereeing wrestling matches now? You know what? I, I uh, truth be told, it's I like to see I, I, I don't mind seeing it. I really don't. Um, if anything, they deserve a spot in there just as much as the men do, because you're a referee. Referees seen, not heard should be part of the dance, but the third man in the ring. And if they're good at what they do, by all means, not to mention you can use a female referee to get more heat for a heel. You Very interesting take on it. Very interesting take. You know, you think about this. You got, uh, I know her name, Aubrey Edwards over there in AEW. Right. If, you know, if let's just say that she's in a match and M- with MJF as a heel. And MJ, like, backs her up in the corner, smacks her, hits her, does whatever on purpose. I, that, that, they're going to, you, you talk about wanting to kill, they're going to be oh, ready yeah. Because yeah, you know, we have um, we have a woman coming on. Her name's Charlene McKenzie. Mm. She is one of the most sought-after female referees on the indie circuit across the country. Okay, she's a big, solid girl. That uh, they, they, she's like no nonsense. They uh, some people call her the judge. I like that. I like that a lot. They call her Charlene the Judge McKenzie. So in other words, what I'm saying to you is uh, her word is final, and you're not going to argue with her. (laughs) I mean, the the Aubrey Edwards over there in AEW, they're calling her the female um, uh, uh, Earl Hebner. Yeah. Well, you know, she really is good. She really is. She, she, and she, she knows... I know it sounds weird to say, but she knows how to sell as a referee to make a, a move look that much more devastating. And you know what, Jeff? That's a good point because people don't think about referees selling as yeah. part of the match. But like Jimmy Valiant told us, without the ref, there is no match. And, and, and you know, she knows how to – you can interject yourself into a match as a referee. There's – there really is an art form to being a referee, and not everybody can do it. And I think I, there, there's what's also something that's wrong on a lot of independents, not so much anymore. It used to be this way. It used to be referees are a dime a dozen, buddy. Anybody can referee. Okay, yeah. fine. You put Junior there in a pair of shoes, pair of pants, and tell him to go referee and look like crap. Yeah. Go ahead. Be my guest. Now, I'll say this. As a male 
referee, my machismo may get the best of me if I'm told Susie Q has the main event and you don't tonight. Right. Now, I'm going to go to... You know, that's happened a couple times already in AEW. Yep. With with Corey Edwards, you know, calling main events. Right. I would go to the promoter at that point and say, what do I need to do to step my game up to get the main event? Well, but here's the thing, though. Doesn't that really fit in with the main event? Think about it. Right. You just mentioned her ability to sell. Yes. The fact that she's a female gives you something decent to look at. Yep. Okay. I I, I think that does come into play, too. I really do. I think that... Look, there's a difference between boys and girls in case nobody told you, Jeff. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying, brother? Case in point, how I almost died that I mentioned on the round table, you know, uh, what I almost died between... (laughs) Yeah, by the way, I have a little question for you. I saw your episode of the Roundtable. Go ahead, brother. You and Mad Mike are never permitted ever again to attend a rock and roll concert. <laughs> You're never allowed to go to another concert again. And thank God they did away with festival seating. Oh, the, that that I agree with. I mean, that actually got to the point where it was getting dangerous for a lot of people back in the day. Oh, I'm sure for a shoot. In yeah. Ohio, seven people died in a festival seating um, uh, rush to the door. They they they, they, they trampled they, to death. They um, it, it it got to the point where actually a lot of states had outlawed it. Virginia was one of the last few to to, to outlaw it. And I mean, you know, it it, it was bad. You, you're right. They would they. You know, like like me and Mike talked about, they bum rush a stage, and you don't know what's coming. If you've never been, Jack, yeah, you better move. You better move back. <laughs> I mean, Ohio uh, was the first place to outlaw it. New Jersey was the second. Okay. Wow. They did away with as soon as as soon as those people were killed in Cincinnati. They, right, right across the board. New Jersey said, "Nope, we're done with that." Take it off the books. It's paid admission seating only. That's it. I, I mean, true. I, I, I kind of wish that to a point, but uh, you know, but back in the, you know, in the eighties and the nineties when it was allowed, I'll say this: if people want to know exactly what we we're talking about when we say festival seating and no seating, watch any of your old rock videos when they would film them, and you got everybody at the stage, and they're all rushing the stage and you got security reaching over to grab them out and the girls are all fainting in front of Def Leppard and pour some sugar on me. Standing up, yeah. That is festival seating. Exactly. And my friend, uh, you know, we could could talk about that for the rest of the show, but we are going to to thank everybody for joining us tonight. I know you got some stuff happening in Vanguard and you've got another... uh, Another great episode of the Roundtable coming up. What are you going to talk about this week on the Roundtable? Roundtable, me and Mike are going to probably be talking about the Super Showdown and the fallout from that. Oh, gotcha. Um, the fact that WWE is about this close to making the ref not want to watch them anymore. All right, uh, don't, don't tip the hat, ref. Don't tip the hat. <laughs> I, uh, but anyway, yeah, that's one we're gonna probably we're gonna probably go into that and and any of the big news that may come out this week. So um 
What do you got to plug for Vanguard Championship Wrestling? Yeah, we got Vanguard Championship Wrestling. We're going to be at the Hampton High School, home of the Hampton Crabbers, where they're going to be doing a fundraiser. We're going to be bringing in the one, the only, Sergeant Slaughter himself, a Ted Hut. And it is going to be on March the 14th over there at Hampton High School. You can go to vcw-wrestling.com. You can buy your tickets there. Or go to Vanguard Championship Wrestling on Facebook. Look them up. Find out how to get your tickets over there. And they also got a lot of YouTube clips where you can see uh, a lot of the action that they've been having over the last few months. Yeah. So that's where you can find out more information on that. And, of course, you can listen to me and Mad Mike on the Wrestling Table, found here on Wrestling with the Future. Anywhere you, you see Wrestling with the Future, you'll see the Wrestling Table. Absolutely. And they can reach Jeff on Twitter oh. at Jeff Rob. Go ahead. Jeff at Jeff Rob four one nine seven seven. You can find me over there on the Twitter link. There you go. See, I had to to give you the Iggy on the on the Twitter. I, I you were going you were going to zip right by your Twitter. I was. I, I apologize. I apologize. That's why you need me. The old man still has a little something to contribute here. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, if you want to see the ref and myself in person. The place, the date, and the time are April the 11th in Philadelphia, PA, at the 2300 Arena, the old ECW Arena. We will be there for Icons of Wrestling with Rob Feinstein, with Kurt Angle, and whoever the hell else decides to show up. But we will be podcasting live we will have our T-shirts available for sale, and they're actually on sale now. Wrestling with the Future T-shirts come in large, extra large, and 2X. And a very special one for the rest that was their gift to us. And uh, you can find Wrestling with the Future everywhere podcasts are available, which is uh, Podbean, Podbay, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, um, anywhere Facebook, you can a podcast. anywhere you, we're, God Almighty, we're everywhere. We really are. <laughs> we're everywhere. Uh, speaking of Facebook, we have our dedicated Facebook pages, facebook.com forward slash wrestling with the future. All of the videos that you see here are uploaded to Facebook and YouTube. So there's no excuse not to see us. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we are now available on Pod Bay FM Radio. That's our new one, Pod Bay FM Radio. Yes, sir. And you don't even need a satellite to get it. There you go. And so uh, thank you to our friends at Pod Bay. Uh, let's see what else I got. Oh, I got the our Twitter is at Wrestling Future. As I mentioned last night, we're putting an Instagram together. Yep. It'll be uh, Wrestling with the Future Instagram. Uh, it's not up yet, so don't bother looking for it. So <laughs> Jeff's about to choke on his cigarette here. <laughs> that was very funny. It's but, not okay. uh, don't look for it. And we want to thank everybody for nearly, nearly 400 thousand downloads we're not there yet we're just shy 
of four hundred thousand. Can Jeff? Can you imagine that? Think about that. I, I and you know what's crazy is that's just on Podbean. That's just Podbean, yeah, yeah. So when we make that announcement, that's just on Podbean, everyone. That's not everywhere else. Yeah, that's not iHeart or iTunes or we Spotify. No. Yeah, it's uh, we look. If Monty and the Pharaoh are singling you out, you're doing something right. So, I, I, like Nikki said, kudos to Monty and the Pharaoh. God bless you and thank you, boys. Keep it up. Keep up yeah, the good. Hey, keep putting us over. Go ahead. We love Put it. Put us over to the moon. We'll love you. Yep. Go I ahead. won't watch anymore, but I'll still love you. Yeah. Hey. We may think you're SOBs, but doesn't mean you can't put us over. Go ahead. We love you for it. You know, y'all may be pieces of the trash, but go ahead and talk about us. We don't care. Y'all may be pieces of garbage, but we don't care. You know why? Because we are bigger. We are better. We will be always there for our fans. Unlike you guys, we're going to be around in two years. We're not filming this from our mama's basements. We're not being, we're not paying our best friend to do this. We're not paying, having, you know, paying our guests to come on our show. We actually have guests coming to us asking to come on our show. We and have that's huge. That are booked three months out because that is who we are. So Monty and the Pharaoh, you guys can kiss my big white ass. Because you know what? You guys pushed it. You guys want to put us over? That's cool. You want to call us out? That's fine. You, hey, you know where we're going to be? We're going to be at the Philadelphia Arena. He's already said we, where we will be. We'll be there in person. Go ahead. Show up. I'll be there. I'll be there. You'll be there. Hey. Have a good one, folks. <laughs> I love when the ref gets fired up. God bless him. <laughs> I you love know, my fans. It, when you get like that, you remind me of an old Southern preacher, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. Get the fire brimstone coming out of the ref. Well, a really good show. I tell you, we've done three shows this week, ladies and gentlemen, and it's been a long week for the ref and I. Yeah. It's been a longer week for the ref because he cranked out two ref roundtables this week. Yeah. So it's been been a long. I've been I've been putting the ref on overdrive. <laughs> Time to take a breather over the next few days. Yeah, yeah. Well, folks, uh, for Jeff the Ref, the Guru, I'm Psychic Medium Angelo. Thanks for stopping by. Happy wrestling, everybody. Take care. Bye.